Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. This podcast will seek to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of my podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations where every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to you joining me on this journey toward a better understanding of each other. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening for common ground first. I am so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's see what my next guest has to say. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and this is the next episode of the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Today, I'm here with one of my dearest friends and cohorts, Katherine Haskins. She is the co-founder of The Bridge Club and also the founder of Haskins Consulting. Katherine, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for inviting me. It has been such a wonderful road together. A little history on my relationship with Catherine. We started in a group called Vet Partners probably about eight, six or eight years ago, something like that. Was it less? But I think it was about that. It, it is actually less. Let's not age ourselves too much. Um, <laughs> but it's a, ter- it's a terrific organization. Uh, so if you are not a part of it, and you should be, absolutely. Absolutely, because if you're in the in the industry, in the pet industry, and you support pets, uh, vets with a V and pets with a P, um, you should really look into it. It's a great organization, and you meet people just like Catherine. And later on this month, we're going to also interview her co-founder of The Bridge Club, our Brenda Anderson, who is also my best buddy. So before we get started with all sorts of things to talk about, which we do, I'd like to ask you, Catherine, why do pets matter to you? So this is a really, really hard question. And when you asked me to do this, and I actually went on a long walk and was thinking about it, and there's so many different obvious ways that people can respond to this. You know, Lily is truly my companion. She is my second skin. She was up with me for three hours last night for no reason. I just couldn't sleep and she had to be right next to me. There's something about that companionship that is absolutely um, just unspoken and that really fills your soul. But to be honest, actually, I think why pets matter is it actually has created my career, not because I am a veterinarian, not because I'm a technician, and not because I was fully in love with pets as a kid. We had a feral cat um, when I was very young, and I didn't really become a pet owner until I was fully submerged into the profession itself, which is really quite strange. Um, So I owe a great deal of Everything I do from every corner of my life to pet care and pets and and little Lily who's basking in the sun over there. And so my love of pets and why they matter has evolved over time. And it's as a result of what I've been so, so fortunate to be exposed to within this amazing profession called veterinary medicine. I have to tell you that that is one of the most interesting reasons for why pets matter, because it wasn't as most people say, well, I had Fluffy when I was a baby and I've loved animals forever, but rather it's sort of a chicken or the egg question for you. Did I get involved with people who are dedicated to the care and welfare and well-being of pets? And then my love for pets evolved or was it sort of symbiotic? Lily came at the same time, the bridge club and everything else began. 
Right. No. So for, for me, it really was, um, I, I have a funny story to share and that is uh, my first job in animal health. And I had been working in travel and tourism, uh, working for large uh, public relations firms uh, across the country. And I had gotten a job where they actually had to fill a position in their food and agriculture division. And when I got hired, I said, you know, I may be from Iowa, but I've never mowed a lawn. So you're going to have me in the food and agriculture. And they said, don't worry, Catherine, we can teach you everything. And I go into this first meeting And they're all talking and they're throwing this very big word around that I had never heard of before. And I am embarrassed that this is recorded and now this is going to be on the record. But uh, they were throwing this word around called equine. And I I sat in the meeting and it was a head, it was a president of a company and they kept equine this and equine that. It's like my second day on the job. And I raised my hand and I said, I'm so sorry. What is equine? And so they were like, oh, good Lord, get her out of here. Um, but I think I got hooked that day. I think I fell in love with veterinary medicine that very day um, because of how kind this profession is, how uh, embracing this entire profession is. And within you know, three years of that time, I was uh, running the PNL for on a global level for an agency, and then several years later, did it for another agency, all in animal health, of which people knew nothing about. And I had worked so much on parasiticides, um, literally every parasiticide on the planet, and thought, you know, it's time for me to actually have a pet of my own in order to really understand that human connection that people have. And, uh, you know, 11 years later, my life would never be the same without Lily in it. Um, so it's a very interesting journey for me. But yeah, I didn't know what an equine was. Yeah, well, that's okay, because I um, knew what an equine was. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of uh, experience in um, parasiticides. So you'll have to explain that to the listeners, because I now know what it is. But um, many weeks ago, maybe... I might have learned it. Uh, and also PL, because these are really important things that you are doing behind the scenes to make sure that animals mattered. Correct, correct. So, first, let's go with parasiticides. That's your flea, tick, and heartworm. So, these are the basic standards of all wellness care. Um, and so, not advocating for any brand, but it is absolutely essential that literally every pet owner, no matter where you live, communicate with your veterinarian on what's best for your pet. I live right next to a forest preserve and I have coyotes and raccoons and deer running through my backyard all the time, even though I live right outside Chicago. And so I need a different level of coverage for my pet than another pet owner might need as well. So it really is the health and well-being. If you've ever seen a pet who has been infected with heartworm disease, it is uh, just, it's deadly uh, and it's horrific. And so um, would never want any of that. I cover myself in off and I can't imagine how my uh, Lily would feel if she were bitten all the time. So um, we don't really realize it, but they, it, that is really sensitive. So highly, highly encourage everyone to talk to their veterinarian uh, about parasiticides. The PNL is the profit and loss of uh, an agency and we dedicated an entire arm of the business to all sectors of animal health. So whether it was on the veterinary side, it was on the consumer products goods side, whether it was uh, on the farm and agriculture. So I really fell in love with this entire profession because there really isn't another caliber of people 
in any other profession. May, I, I suppose you could say human medicine only because of exactly what we're going through and their compassion and care that they put into literally everything that they do. But veterinarians, practitioners, technicians, um, pet owners, there's just this other level of humanity, I guess is maybe it's the wrong word, that brings this all together and it's caring for making sure that this little, uh, you know, feathered friend or four-legged pod friend um, is taken care of. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal to me. Or, you know, a cow too. I love working. I love, love doing poultry work. It's one of my favorite things on the planet to do um, because the poultry community is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And that's not how they're depicted most times. So I, I'm so glad you're here to show that because in this podcast, we want diverse opinions and we've had animal advocates and things on that place one idea, but there is another view. And if we could get everybody together, that'd yeah. be good to have a conversation. I want to step one more minute back to what you said about parasiticides, because I don't know that everybody knows that what you meant and you said it perfectly clearly. So it's just that I'm reiterating it. Uh, because I was a, um, a moderator at one of the programs at VMX, which is a huge uh, vet conference in Florida in January. And I went home that night and laid in bed scratching. Oh my goodness. Because he talked about fleas and ticks and how if you don't treat your dog, you might get very ill. And the human toll from contracting Lyme or um, the other things that are going through my mind that can't come out my mouth. Well, the zoonotic diseases. So there is- Zoonotic diseases that you can get from a tick. Mm -hmm. So before COVID, um, this guy said that ticks were going to be the bringers of pandemic because they can't get killed. And if you don't treat your pets, they'll bring them in. What you want is you want to treat your pets so they fall off, so that the ticks fall on because- uh, so deers and raccoons and, and coyotes are great, but it's those little field mice that you got to watch out for because they're the ones that get everywhere. I mean, who hasn't had a mouse in their house unless, I mean, well, if you live in the city, then you have a rat, not a mouse, and maybe they don't have ticks. Well, but, I would say, I would say if you see a mosquito in your house in winter, that mosquito could be carrying heartworm disease. You never know. And everyone thinks that once it goes below freezing, you're safe. The challenge is these parasites can go dormant. And then the minute you have one of those beautiful days where we're- As In December where we them, put sweaters on, right. <laughs> you know, all hell can break loose at that point. So uh, yeah, it's an important piece. You are absolutely correct. So it is interesting to me because now with global warming, um, we don't get a week of under 30 degrees so that it's really below freezing in the areas. So these insects really are, as you said perfectly, go dormant. And, and that's not good for us. So you really should keep your pets on this um, parasiticide. Uh, so this was how you began. And then you got into, and I love it because you got into bringing because that's what I do. I bring people together to have a conversation. Um, I do it, of course, in conflict. You do it in really happy times. <laughs> I wish I was we you. Try. We try. <laughs> I wish I was you. So the Bridge Club is, and I think that's sort of like your main focus now. I'm sure the consulting is absolutely still there too. Um, but the Bridge Club has become such 
uh, a go-to place for everyone in the veterinary field, be it consultants, be it veterinarians, be it vet techs, be it uh, attorneys, um, accountants. So tell us a little bit more about the concept you and Brenda had and then how it's evolved, because I know it has evolved over the past maybe five years, right? I was aging us, but it's all right. I'm old. So so the reality is that with the advent of technology, cell phones, et cetera, and webinars, we have gotten in the habit of talking at one another and not talking with. And I know that's one of your big drives is to really listen. And as a result, you know, people are always like, how can we push out an email? How can we push out a text message? And we've really lost the ability to communicate. And there's some data you know, it all depends on which data source you look at, but they're saying that 93% of all communications is lost without looking someone in the eye because it is nonverbal communications. So if we're relying so heavily on text messaging, if we're relying so heavily on these other factors, are we truly getting our message across? And so uh, both Brenda and I felt that the world was lacking the ability to have a conversation anymore. And in the profession of veterinary medicine, uh, we really realized networking was beginning to die. And it was the idea that we were all starting to live in our phones so much. So we launched the Bridge Club three years ago, three and a half years ago. um, And it is the first virtually based community where you turn on your camera. It's part of the requirements. Um, And we were into Zoom before Zoom was so cool. I know, Uh, right? (laughs) And the idea was we would have a conversation, not a lecture, about something important to the profession overall. And so whether that conversation is about the veterinary nurse initiative, whether that conversation is, which we've got one coming up specifically about parasiticides and how with the Um, as we've had environmental uh, challenges like hurricanes and forest fires, we've relocated animals. And what does that mean actually for these parasites now? And we're now having more of an epidemic with regards to where parasites are, et cetera. Um, And so the idea is how do you have a conversation about it? So our our guests and our hosts, uh, we don't call them speakers, We've banned PowerPoints. They are not allowed at the Bridge Club. Uh, And the idea is to have a conversation and our hosts only talk probably between eight to 10 minutes because it's the community that then gets to, excuse me, gets to ask the questions um, and make it very authentic and real in in a conversational way. So that's what the Bridge Club has been doing. And then we do live events at at key conferences, Um, but it's really meant to have a conversation about things that are really important. You know, it's so important to bring people together when they're not in conflict, to have those kinds of conversations so they can actually hear a different side or a different point of view or a different um, idea about what's happening. I loved when you said that, you know, you want to have the cameras on so you can um, see the emotion, you can see the person's face. I know when people get texts, and before we went on the, um, the video here, we were talking about words used in an email that I received and how the word triggered me. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you that a lot of times when I talk to both sides of, of someone having a conflict, it's that they received information, their perspective and perception were different from the perspective and perception of the writer. Mm-hmm. And and so they took offense and the person's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you took offense. That that's not what I meant. And so what you've created 
is a place where people aren't lecturing, aren't, you know, giving you a ton of information, you know, and statistics and research that comes. And, and I know from attending a number of them, there's, there's um, resources that you can get if you want to learn more, but we're not going to give them to you here. So we bore the tears out of you. We're actually going to create a community. And that's what I love about the bridge. It's networking. Um, A lot of veterinarians, there's a prior, um, why do pets matter podcast by Scott Fine, who really brought together people who have had really difficult um, and tragic experiences with vets and no mm. one's perfect. Uh, the way in which veterinary medicine handles disagreements between veterinarians and clients does not really ignore the kind of conversation the bridge does, where everybody comes together, has a conversation uh, about different things. So what uh, Scott Fine has done is he's created a program where attorneys and veterinarians can help uh, pet owners who've had an issue, uh, review the information, see if they have a case. If they don't have a case, then they have that community to help them assuage their sadness at losing a, a client, a, a pet, sorry, not a client. Um, and if we could do more of that, supporting people, understanding what's going on. I wish the vets would become more involved in that because really it's a learning process. That's what the bridge I think does so beautifully um, you, I'm sorry, all listeners. Yes, I am a fan. But what it does so beautifully <laughs> is it helps people hear other points of view, um, which, of course, is what we all want to do. Um, so if you're a pet owner, you do allow pet owners to join. You have a new, wait, you have a new bridge. We do. So so you mentioned, you know, not being in conflict and being able to have a conversation when you're not in conflict. And for pet owners, oftentimes they are given good or bad news regarding their pet when they are in the um, patient room. And oftentimes it is hard to then hear what else is being said. And it is also really hard to remember what else you wanted to ask. So we wanted to create an opportunity separate from the veterinary bridge club, if you will, and created what we're now calling the Bridge Club Pets. And this is for pet owners to be able to come in and have a conversation with a veterinarian on a specific topic. I say it's kind of like um, that moment you get on an airplane and you realize you're sitting next to a veterinarian and here's your chance to ask everything. And so (laughs) it's the idea we're taking the the tension, we're taking the issue, we're taking the potential heartache, the potential celebration piece out of what's happening specifically with your pet and bringing you into an environment. What we changed though is we do have certified veterinary technicians and sometimes DVMs inside the chat with the pet owners. So should something be occurring, they actually can get the advice that they need or directed in the right place. But the the entire purpose is to always elevate the role of the veterinarian in the eyes of the pet owner. Um, Currently 40% of all pet owners go to Dr. Google first. Um, And then if they're not going to Dr. Google, they're going to, you know, some of the, one of the 600,000 Facebook group pages that are not being manned necessarily by an expert, but rather a self-proclaimed expert. And so we really want to make sure that we're giving really good, solid medical insight. Now we're not diagnosing, we're not advocating for any brands, we're not doing any of those things. It's pure education to really help give insights, whether it's about behavior, whether it's about 
obesity, whether, you know, we launched under the idea of what's happening with COVID. How do you take care of your pets? How do you use pee pads if you um, are in an apartment and you suddenly can't go outside? What does that mean? So we're really getting to the heart of the questions that pet owners really want to have asked. And then to be honest, we will end up sharing some of that insight back to the veterinarian. So to your point of what your previous guest also covered off on is how do you create mutual understanding? Absolutely. You know, while you were talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I hope the veterinarians, and I know that you and Brenda do this so beautifully, the veterinarians take away what they learn from the various questions the clients ask about their experience with their vet. Because I know as an attorney, there are times when I do or say something and someone says, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I go, holy Toledo, that was not how I meant that to land. Brene Brown has a great sentence when, um, and I share this with everyone almost every time um, on the Why Do Pets Matter podcast, because it's such a great sentence. If someone says something that really throws you for a loop, you can say, um, Catherine, the story I'm telling myself about what you just said is that you don't like me or that I'm stupid or that, you know, and Catherine can go, no, that's not at all what I meant. I meant this, but it allows for a less, and I, I try not to say stupid or dislike. I try to say the story I'm telling myself is that I'm, I'm not hearing you or I'm not um, understanding what you want um, or I'm creating an issue that I didn't mean to create. And can you tell me a little bit more about what it is that is bothering you? Because I'm taking this personally and I don't know if I should, let me know clue me in. And that kind of conversation, which is what you'll probably have between the veterinarians as it evolves and the pet owners, that kind of situation will give the pet owners the courage to say to their vets, I I need to take a minute right now because you've downloaded so much information on me. I don't know whether, and I use this term very often and lovingly, shit or wind my watch. Um, because I just, when I was teaching Colorado State University's vet school, I had a third year stand up, third year vet stand up once and say, listen, I, I told them, I wrote it down, my tech read it to them, and they still got it wrong. And I said, you're absolutely right. And that is so incredibly frustrating. So see, you hold a safe place for the veterinarian who has done what they thought was enough. And then I said, would you have rumor space? to think about how they felt when you saved their dog's life or their dog died or their dog needs you know, maximum care or surgical. Um, and they are wrapping their hands and arms and legs and brains around, oh my God, my dog is sick. How much is this gonna cost me? Can I afford it? Should I afford it? Should I do that to my dog? I just had a conversation with a colleague of mine because of my dog had osteosarcoma um, and I chose to cut her leg off. Uh, excuse me, I chose not to cut her leg off. Um, and people really gave me a lot of negative comments. How could I not give her another year of life? And I said, well, because in my brain stem cell in here, it was about me. Yeah. I couldn't let her go. Yeah. But how was I, you know, if, if I could talk to her and say, Daisy, um, I'm cutting your leg off because you'll probably be cancer free for a year and we'll have a great life together. True. It'll take you three months to figure out how to walk on three legs, but I digress. You know, you can do it. I just didn't feel that was in her best interest. It was absolutely in my best interest, but it was not in hers. So I think that your program bringing veterinarians, vet techs, and I urge you 
to uh, bring Elizabeth Strand on. She is the guru of veterinary social workers. She's at the University of Tennessee uh, Social Work School slash vet school in Knoxville. Um, she's a colleague of mine. She was one of the people who was the uh, main speaker at the AVMA Wellness Conference. Uh, she had me in to do a mediation uh, training that she continues to use uh, every, every year, I think, uh, with her students. Um, she is the guru of social media, uh, no, excuse me, um, not social, social work. Well, so, well, social work, yes. And probably giving uh, veterinarians the ability to um, diffuse bad social media. Um, but she, she's training, you know, we'll talk about that next time when you come on social media, Holy Toledo, because I'm sure you've gotten some that hasn't been necessarily kind. And I know I always get, you know, flowers and roses. Um, it makes my life. So anyway, Catherine, you said so many incredibly interesting things right now. The things that really stand out to me um, was the the networking that you are bringing to the veterinary community, which is so key among each other. And now among the veterinarians of the vet industry and pet owners, which I think Why Do Pets Matter is sort of, you know, a natural offshoot of the bridge for pet owners. So you'll have to give us the information so people can sign up. I can put it at the end of the podcast so that people can sign up for the bridge pet owners. So it's, it's the bridge club, uh, the bridge club pets.com is the, the website. You can sign up and get um, all our updates. It is free to come to any conversation. If you're in the veterinary profession, it is free to come to our virtual conversations. If you are a pet owner, it is free to be able to come to um, our conversations. This is about sharing information. It's about connecting and engaging with one another. Uh, so we do not uh, we do not charge for that. And, and we always start with the toast. So we always have a beverage in hand and we're always um, enabling everyone to relax a little bit, whether it's LaCroix or there's something else, sometimes we ask, sometimes we don't, um, that it's an opportunity to really have a great conversation. Well, I always love the toast at the beginning and the toast at the end. I did not steal it for Why Do Pets Matter? Um, but I do thank you so much. The three things that I picked up that were so important with what Catherine did is that she went into a an industry she knew nothing about and was welcomed with open arms, which is what veterinarians really do in the scheme of things. Some people may not have had that experience with their veterinarian, but truly that can be your experience if you decide to take a step back and, and revisit with another veterinarian. Um, listening is always so much of an important piece for the veterinarian, the vet tech, the staff, because you learn so much. I was listening to a program yesterday and, and it was about veterinarians listening to what the client was saying to diagnose the dog. You know, now with telemedicine and video medicine, they really do have to look at the video and listen to the client describe what they're seeing because they're not, they're seeing it, but videos they never. The tactile. They can't. Yeah, they can't. Yep. Yep. Um, and so that, that ability to listen and to hear what's being said, uh, and most of all, um, the uh, allowing for the fact that the emotion you receive the information might not be the emotion that was intended. And so ask that Brene Brown correct question, you know. Um, the story I'm telling myself, Catherine, is. <laughs> well, I, you know what I got out of this? I, so I know we've got to wrap up here, but what I got out of this was a great phrase you said. And I think sometimes we say things and we know it doesn't sound right when it comes out and we just, 
we wait to see what's going to happen. And then we wait to see if maybe we were wrong in our interpretation of it. But I love the phrase, that's not what I, uh, that's not how I meant for that to land. That is a phrase I'm going to start stealing um, because someone with a deep voice like mine, um, it tends to, whatever I say can sometimes come across a lot more aggressive. And so I am totally stealing that. So I got something from you two today. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, let's raise our coffee. So I'm stealing you. I'm stealing the drink. Take care. Here's my friend. Thank you so much, Catherine. This was Catherine Haskins. She is the co-founder of thebridgeclub.com. Don't forget. And thebridgeclubpets.com. So that if you want to learn more about either of them, please go. Catherine, thank you so much for being on. And I hope you'll come back because we have so much more to talk. Oh my gosh, so much. I loved it. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. This is Deborah Hamilton. Thank you for coming to this episode of Why Do Pets Matter? And I look forward to seeing you next time. You've been listening to the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. Do you have a great idea or guest or topic that you'd like me to cover? Write me at hamiltonlawandmediation.com or email me at whydopetsmatterpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, our pets do matter. Thank you for being here with me.